0: Welcome to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, Torah with a Point of View, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion, America's first Jewish institution of higher learning. My name is Joshua Holo, your host and Dean of the Jack H. Skirball Campus in Los Angeles. I want to welcome two coordinators of Roots, which is an organization dedicated to the encounter between Jews and Israelis in Israel and the occupied territories. Rabbi Hanan Schlesinger is the director of international relations of roots and he lives in gush Etzion. and ali abu awad is a leading palestinian activist who is dedicated to reaching out to jewish israelis at the heart of the conflict ali and hanan thank you so much for joining me it's a pleasure to have you i want to start off by laying the groundwork and ask uh, either or both of you to describe roots what it is what it does and how it started so whoever is the right person to throw that one to.
1: Every person involved in Roots has a slightly different perception of what it is and what it does. And of course, Palestinians and Israelis each probably have as a group different percep- perceptions of exactly what it is. From my perspective, it is a framework for the trans. Formation of perception. The two sides live very close to each other. We drive on the same roads. We live in geographical proximity. But we know nothing about the other. And we think we know a lot. We have very, very clear stereotypes and images of the other as individuals, as a collective. It's full of misinformation. It's full of fear. In Roots, what we do is through the personal interaction, the one-on-one encounters that we engineer, people begin to learn that what they thought was true is either false or it's only a half-truth. And then they realize that they've been living their lives on the basis of a incomplete perception. And so much of our lives uh, in Israel, and especially where we are in Gush Tzion, is are centered around the Arab-Israel conflict, around the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. And when you begin to realize that your perception of the other is not completely true or is false, then your understanding of the conflict becomes different. Your understanding of your own role in the conflict becomes different. And of course, your understanding of the other's role in the conflict becomes different. From my perspective, these encounters that we arrange, which is everything we do, and the perception the change in perception that flows from that is really a secret weapon. It's a secret weapon against hate and against ignorance and the secret weapon that can help us bring a better future for both peoples. I certainly think that for the Palestinians, the personal encounters are a weapon, are a secret weapon. Another way of saying this, the similar thing is that when you begin to go deep into the Arab-Israel conflict, you see that both sides are traumatized. Both sides are psychiatrically unwell. And the work we do in Roots is like what's done in a psychiatric clinic. We bring healing to, to trauma, and it brings people to a new perception of the other and themselves. These changes in perception, these self-transformations, which bring us to a new level of identity, that's not the end of it. All of this, from our perspective, is setting the groundwork for building a better future, a better political future. Political change has to happen But the sides at this point are not ready for it. They're too traumatized. They're too wounded. They're too unaware of the other. They're too much in denial. After we are through this trauma healing, we are setting the groundwork for creating a change in discourse so that we can move to fruitful political negotiations.
0: Ali, do you have a different perspective since Rav Khanan started off saying that everybody's perception is a bit different? Is yours different or the same?
2: You know, we are dealing with, uh, with two different narratives and two different identities and truths. For us, mostly as Palestinians, the extreme important side of it, that we feel that we become victims of Jewish people practicing their legitimate truth to the land, and vice versa. But this is a political side of it, where, I mean, the vision of our act non-violently hopefully will end by having our own independent state, then the, the big challenge here, how do you create an environment that will guarantee the Jewish rights and the Palestinian rights to the two parts of the land? So the good thing in roots that we are not stuck with this, but we are aware of the challenges because we consider dialogue as, as a secure place for our arguments even. And finally, we are hoping that these kind of initiatives, including groups, will grow, and this will engage as many people where we can also practice what we envision in the future. Take responsibility about our actions and not to be afraid of the price of peace which could be painful in part of it.
0: Does this mean that ultimately, irreducibly, Roots, I, I understand it's not the work of Roots that's political specifically, it's more about this healing, I get that, and it's very compelling, but underlying your work, is there an immutable presupposition for, or a presupposition of a two-state solution? Is that embedded in everything you do?
2: Mostly as individuals, not as roots representatives, as individuals, yes, mostly, mostly this is the vision of having two-state solution, but two states who are not divided, who will be able to function with deep cooperation, not like the relations with the Arab countries around us. But it has to be much deeper than that. Because we we believe that the resources of that land has to be shared. And sharing that, you have to have a deep kind of cooperation. Yeah, this is the way that I see it working.
1: I agree with Ali, but I would want to say it a little bit differently. When we talk about the two-state solution, people have a certain conception of what that means. And for many people, it means two independent separate states. In Roots, most of us think that there can't be a full separation between the Palestinian Israelis. We're two connected in so many different ways. We both claim legitimately the same land. Our economies are interconnected. The, the resources, natural resources, certainly interconnected. connected, the land is so small, it's hard to divide into two separate states. So exactly what these two states will be, will they be two completely independent states? Probably not some type of federation between them. They're all different types of federated understandings of designs. So two states, yes, in the sense that the Palestinians have to have a sense of identity in their own state. They have to have self-determination, but exactly what it will look like, in routes, we don't take a specific position.
0: Understood. That's very clarifying. I appreciate it. So I'm thinking that there are a number of themes that emerge in your articles. I've seen some of your videos, TED Talk. I I would say that the language of healing already in this interview alone has emerged. The psychic and psychological experience of healing collectively is a major, major theme in everything that's come up. But there's another theme that I want to begin by asking you, Rav Hanan is the theme of religiosity. Where does religion, pure faith, religion for its own sake, fit into the work of Roots and what you've experienced when you have these meetings?
1: Well, a lot to say here. My personal journey within Roots of discovering Palestinians, Palestinian humanity, Palestinian identity, Palestinian narrative, Palestinian aspirations, the transformations that I've undergone in coming to terms with that, with absorbing that, with understanding it on the deepest level, has uh, for me been part of a process that I would call a, rep- a process of repentance, of, of re understanding who I am in light of the necessity to accept who they are. So I've been on a journey of repentance for the past three years since I've been involved in this. It's, to me it's uh, making myself a better human being and a better Jew. That's one level of answer to what you're saying, to what you asked. Another level of answer is a part of my journey has been realizing how deeply Judaism is part of the problem, how deeply Jewish identity, Jewish historical continuity and self-understanding is part of the problem. Just, for example, uh, we say at the uh, Passover Sede, In every generation they come against us to annihilate us. i began to realize how much that saying, and so many others like it, are deeply part of the Jewish consciousness, certainly in Israel, and certainly where we live in, uh, in the West Bank, in Judea and Samaria, so that the Palestinians become just another link in the chain of adversaries that are coming in every generation to destroy us. So it's the Crusaders, it's the Nazis, it's the Palestinians, it's all the same. And that attitude deeply in our tradition is not going to allow us to make peace. It continues to scar us in every generation. and. And then there are the, the halachic and, and other aspects of our tradition that are not helpful. The way they're interpreted today is just not helpful to make an understatement for the process of reconciliation. So that's really painful to come to the realization of how problematic our tradition, what, what a problematic, problematic role our tradition is playing in this conflict. Uh, which brings us to the next level is that we in Roots are beginning to look for Uh, different ways of interpreting the tradition because this psychological healing is not just psychological and personal, it's on the level
0: of the collective Jewish consciousness. Before we return to the Bully Pulpit, we want to tell you about other programs on the College Commons platform for digital learning. Beyond this podcast, which is available to the public at large, synagogue subscriptions offer in-depth learning, including online courses, live interviews, and a new program called The Teaching Podcast selected episodes from the Bully Pulpit enhanced with texts and teaching tools. We look forward to meeting you at collegecommons.huc.edu Now, back to, oh, one more thing. Help us out and rate us in iTunes, and whatever you do do not give us five stars unless we deserve it Now, back to our podcast Ali, on the Palestinian side, there's not the same religious continuity in the Palestinian people, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, as there are on the Jewish side, meaning that the Palestinian population is made up of Christians, Druze, and Muslims. Is there a different religious dynamic purely on the Palestinian side as you encounter them?
2: In the Palestinian side, it's mostly political. I mean, even in our political statements, me, personally, say always, our problem is not with Judaism. Our problem is with the occupation. And practicing Judaism, part of it, for us, how do we see that, is being an occupier. So how do you, how do you create a, a place uh, where this other nation that you consider them occupiers can reach a conclusion that they do. In on one hand, they do want to practice their truth by living in the West Bank. But on the other hand, the price of that should not be on on our shoulders as a nation. Whether it is issues of land, whether it is because as a Jew, if you live in Hebron today, you cannot just live there and that's it. Because we, you will need a protection. You will need the army. You will need, you know, practice your belief. Uh, and this causes conflicts because you will start getting to the Palestinian life, the Palestinian rights. So so this is what is missing in most of the peace movements, and this is part of what keeps the conflict going. On the other hand, politics and religion and culture is part of our identity. I mean, part of the political Palestinian identity. Like example, going to just to pray in Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem were not allowed. Most of us cannot do that. Abrahamic Mosque in Hebron, most of us has to be checked and all what we suffer from that. So you cannot deny all of that, expecting a real reconciliation between both sides. If the religious leader will not come up with a statement that will forbid politicians or extremists to, lo- to use religion for their, for their purposes.
0: Hanan spoke about uh, tshuva, about repentance, about the process of roots being, forcing effectively a shift in your own Jewish consciousness. I wonder, Ali, if being in roots has forced a shift in your consciousness as a Palestinian, uh, meaning—and I'll ask it specifically, but maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree— perhaps from the affirmation of Palestinian national identity in relation to 1948 and the existence of Israel at all, shifting by virtue of roots into a consciousness of Palestinian national identity that has more to do with 1967 and in the jump between resisting 1948 versus resisting 1967 did that require first of all I don't know if you've made that shift and I don't know if I'm getting at the right thing here but if I am was that a comparable shift in your own Palestinian consciousness that might mirror Hanan's shift about his own Jewish consciousness.
2: Yeah, that's why I mean, most of the Palestinians today know and recognize that Israel exists, and this is a fact. Whether they like it or not, this is a fact on the ground. But you know, more than that, for the last few years, I I feel that Palestinians uh, has has realized that their life could be much, much better than even the Arabs if, if they will uh, will cooperate with, collaborate politically, I mean, and normalize the relation between two states with Israel, I mean. The other part of it, yes, I do think deeply that it, it's not just accepting the price of peace. I, I am beyond that today, because in my soul. It's not about paying a price. In my soul, is about defending the right of these two nations, including the Jewish people, to exist uh, and to be safe in a place that we all can shift it to become, um, I will not say a paradise, but it will become much better than all the Arab countries in the Middle East. We, we believe in that deeply. Our struggle, you know, the biggest issue here, is settlements because of 1967, because of the land there, because of the continuity of of the geographic, demographic, you know, available Palestinian state, then here the peace movement and politicians are stuck, because considering settlement as it is today makes it impossible. That's why I believe the only solution is to transform the people who live in these settlements, and then by the end of the day, they have to choose whether they rec- recognize the Palestinian political and national right to that land, and they will work with the Palestinians. For them to end the Israeli occupation is not giving up your right for, for to, to, to Judaism. I think it's the opposite. If the Jewish settlers want really to practice, to live their truth, It's the first mission is to end the Israeli occupation and to create a normal relation with the Palestinians. And I'm quite sure Palestinians who were able to work in these settlements and to speak to settlers, they will not find it difficult, I think the opposite, to cooperate also with Jewish people, but with dignity. because. We are afraid of normalization and anti-normalization. That's our challenge. What we will tell our people if the settlements project is continued day by day, and on the other hand, we were having discussion, me and uh, Rabbi Hanan and others, about Palestinians, they come up to condemn the violence. And on the other hand, the settlement project is continue. It's a big challenge among Palestinian activists.
0: I'm actually very curious to to find out where the reconciliation between Hanan's response to the two-state question and your response to this question is, Ali, but I'm gonna go in another direction because I wanna draw you out on another thing. Khanan, in uh, one of the articles that you posted on the Roots website, you referred to uh, Rabbi Menachem's quote that the land of Israel does not belong to the people of Israel, but the people of Israel belong to the land. And I wonder, building on Ali's answer, what does that mean from the specific perspective of a settler? And, and I, I want to make sure that I'm using the term accurately. Is it correct, my understanding, that you do refer to yourself as a settler? Yeah, Good. So I just want to make sure that I'm using the right terminology for the purpose of the conversation. Having said that, elaborate a bit on what it means specifically from your perspective as a settler to argue that the land does not belong to the people, but the people belongs to the land.
1: I wasn't a student of Rabbi Menachem Fruman. I've come to learn about and hear about his sayings, his teachings on the subject of our relationship with the Palestinians only in the past three years. And I have to say that the things that I've heard and have begin to absorb from him uh, stand at odds with what I thought for decades and at odds with what I was taught for decades, at odds with what I myself taught for decades, and odds with what most of my external community believes. The prevailing uh, position is that the land belongs to the Jewish people. Period. And uh, if the Palestinians have a problem with that, they can, they can disappear. That's what most of my community thinks. I began to look at it differently because I met human beings. When you meet human beings that, have, that are human, they have an identity, they have families. I learned are deeply connected to this land. They're not going to disappear. They have a national identity that I see that I have to take into account. I have to accept it because it's true. So then I have to go back to my own uh, religious identity and reexamine it and reinterpret it in a fashion that is, on the one hand, authentic to what it is, but on the other hand, leaves room for someone else, for other people, for the Palestinians. And that's where the teachings of Rab Menachem Fuman come in. They are not teachings that are just invented by him. They're different interpretations of an ancient tradition. And what he's basically saying is that our connection to the land is not one of ownership, it's one of obligation. We're obligated to this land, we're connected to this land. God uh, wants us to be in this land, but it doesn't mean that we have absolute right to uh, trample the rights of others as we are uh, fulfilling our, our ancient connection. Just let me mention one verse from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, in what we call Brit Bain Aptarim, the covenant between the parts. God says to Abraham that I will give you this land as an internal inheritance. And then a verse or two later, God says that in the fourth generation, not now, in the fourth generation, your seed will come back to this land, says God to Abraham, because then the sin of the Amore will be Shalem, will be complete. Meaning that today, when God is talking to Abraham, God will not have Abraham's children inherit the land because of someone else in the land, the Amore, the Canaanite nations, and they don't yet deserve to be thrown out. Another four generations, God predicts their sin will reach the level where they'll have to be thrown out, and then the land will be available for the Jewish people. The idea behind what I'm trying to say is that the Jewish right to land is not unconditional. There's another, if there's another people here, we just can't get rid of them unless they deserve to be exiled. Now, God can decide that, but we can't decide when it's time for them to be exiled, when they deserve to be exiled. So today, the Palestinians are living in the land No human being could decide that they are sinful enough to uh, deserve to be exiled. Therefore, I have to accept they're living here, they're right here as human beings, deeply connected to the land, and I have to find a way to uh, practice my connection to land in a way that doesn't destroy their dignity and their
0: natural human rights. If I'm not mistaken, Ramban on Genesis 1 also invokes maybe Midrashim or other comments, I'm not remembering exactly, that that describe the conditionality of the Jewish claim to the land, not only based on the actions and the attitudes of others, but also on ourselves and our own uh, merits. So there's there's a lot of contingencies going on, I hear you're saying, and uh, those contingencies are opportunities for leaving space for other people. Yes. Ali, you said in a Haaretz article, for me, talking to right-wing settlers rather than talking to nice Tel Avivians is the real work. What prevents us from having rights are not the left-wing camp in Tel Aviv, It's the right-wing in the settlements. The Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion is, strictly speaking, not not a political body, but the large preponderance of reformed Jews in America is already well predisposed towards, like those nice Tel Avivians you're speaking about, is already pretty well disposed towards the notion of a two-state solution, uh, believes in Palestinian national and individual dignity. A lot of the things that makes Roots so appealing to me is described by you and um, Hanan. I want to ask you though, what is the risk of the self-selection of the people who actually come to speak with you? Is there a risk that you're only meeting the people who are well predisposed, or are you able to penetrate and really change minds?
2: Well, yeah, we would love — I mean, our work in Roots is not just for Roots members. Actually, the big work is with the two communities, more than the Roots members. But my challenge was the Israeli society has to take responsibility. Disengaging the settlers from the process of peace, by their opinion, is giving settlers more unity and they become, I mean, more stereotyped by just the media and the criticism against them. It's not an excuse anymore that the left camp in Israel saying we don't speak to settlers. Because you don't speak to them. And we suffer every day because of that, because you don't take responsibility. On the other hand, I discover and I believe that any solution, whether we talk about one state, two states, doesn't matter. Any solution, any process has to include the people who who are in disagreement. So finally, acting in Tel Aviv, acting in, in, in Ramallah for peace will not exactly serve the issue. I want to see my friends who are many leftists. Part of them stop talking to me because I speak to Jewish settlers. You see, it's like... People like to take sides and they like, you know, to build around themselves this identity that they are the good ones and the others are the bad ones. At the same time, most of them have relatives in these settlements and they talk to them, but they try to show us how much they are pro us and for the end to put an end for the occupation. This is not enough they have to look at the mirror and face themselves. Jewish nation has to solve this issue and to take responsibility, and this is their duty. We, as Arabs, as Muslims, and Christians, as Palestinians, have to solve also and stand for our behaviors and how to create an environment for Jewish nation to feel safe during the occupation. These are painful issues, but people have to understand that without, without self-responsibility, nothing going to change.
1: I want to add something. I want to make it clear that Roots is not just an organization. It's an aspiring movement. We're all about bringing into the conversation people who've never met the other side. When we're talking about the settlers, one of the main things we do is house meetings. People open up their living rooms, invite 10, 15, 20 30, even 40 friends and neighbors and acquaintances, we come and talk. It's people who have never met a Palestinian, never heard a Palestinian speak, and it's completely eye-opening to them. It's amazing, it's difficult, it's challenging. That's the way we get new people to join. People become curious, interested, then they come to an event by us. They come to an open house, they begin to meet Palestinians, and the transformations occur. We have a website. People should go to friendsofroots.net to read about us and then join us for the quarterly newsletter, sign up for it, and
0: hear what's going on. Ali Abu Awad and Rob Schlesinger, I want to thank you for a very stimulating conversation. It's been a real pleasure to get to know you a little bit, and I want to wish you every success in your important work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. You've been listening to the College Commons Bully Pulpit Podcast, produced by the Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please join us again at collegecommons.huc.edu.